You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. We're back again. And uh, I'm joined by Nick. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon. Yeah, good to be back. Having another chat, ramble about Apple stuff. Yep, another ramble around the around the news. Uh, just me and Nick today because we're recording on a uh, Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday. Yes, mm. yes. I was feeling a bit under the weather at the weekend and I couldn't really face doing a show, so I thought we'll leave it a couple of days. So here we are. Um, well, uh, of course, today, as we record, the biggest news really is it's 10 years since uh, the passing of Steve Jobs. And uh, hard to believe it's been 10 years, really, since he passed away, I have to say. Um, Johnny Ive. Quite, quite a lot has changed in that time when you think about it. Oh, yes. Hasn't All, it you know, no, lots and lots and lots of devices and uh, devices that perhaps Steve hadn't got in his mind. I get the impression. I I think um, so. I think we're past the, uh, you know, I think we're past the Steve Jobs era now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Ive has written a touching letter um, about Steve. Um, and as we were saying before the show, it's quite obvious that um, Johnny and Steve were, you know, very close. They worked very closely together and were great friends, I believe. So uh, here we go. Uh, Johnny's yes, written... quite, a, quite a touching letter. Yep. A, a touching remembrance of his friend. Um, link to that if you want. And Apple have put on uh, their homepage a celebrating Steve, um, I don't know, they call it a movie, but it's more of a slideshow, to be honest, um, with you know, quotes and comments and uh, obviously pictures of Steve throughout his life and his career. So, uh, you know, about, I think about 90 seconds long or something. You want to go and have a look at that? There we are. Um, yes, things have changed, I'm pretty sure, we, we could say, beyond all recognition. Um, in many other, you know, in many, many ways. But there we are. Um, there's not a huge amount of Apple news, I'll be honest. Uh, Apple have agreed to pay $95 million to settle a lawsuit claiming refurbished devices aren't equivalent to new, um, to be honest. Yeah, I thought, this was a, I thought this was an interesting one because it was always something that surprised me about Apple. Um, don't get me wrong, my, my very first device had a fault. Uh, and I took it back and I got a refurbished device. And it was at that point I suddenly thought, well, hold on. Almost everyone else would just give me a new one in a new box. <laughs> and I thought it was a bit weird at the time. But the fact is, I mean, the ones they gave out as replacements were pretty much new devices. <laughs> and um, the fact that they weren't shrink-wrapped and uh, and whatever, um, yeah, it, was, it was sort of totally irrelevant. But I have some sympathies with this lawsuit in some ways. Um, you know, if people buy something and it's faulty, you'd expect it to get replaced with something new. Yeah. Although I suppose looking at it from a purely green point of view, it you know you know that and that was well well before we were all getting on the green bandwagon. Yeah, they were doing that. I think I have some sympathy with it, but that said, I've bought refurbished Macs in the past, and I remember um, 
having a discussion with my boss because I wanted to buy, it was the first Mac Pro cheese grater tower. Um, yeah. And it gave me a budget, you know, for to refurb all the kit that I wanted to refurb. And I said to him, if I buy a refurbished machine, I can have enough money left over in the budget to get all the other things I want, like a, it was a new printer and a bigger monitor and various other things. And obviously he was concerned about it being refurbished. But the thing about Apple refurbished stuff is, actually, if you buy a new one off the production line, they only check, like, I don't know, one in 50 or something, are pulled off the line and tested yeah. for quality assurance. And, it, you know, if it's a dud, they send that whole 50 batch back to be retested. And if you Yeah, I mean, a... if it's just a faulty component, then why not just replace the compo- yeah. faulty component? I mean, yeah, uh, I I can see that. And the, um, I just noticed it actually says in the article that Apple vigorously denied that the refurbished devices are inferior because they're always going to say that. Well, they are, but the uh, other thing is, but uh, and that's how they appear to be. I mean, I've seen refurbished devices, um, and apart from the box, they, I mean, they do look like new devices when you yeah. get them, and they last like new devices. So, I mean, they come. When I bought a refurbished thing, it came. I'm pretty sure it came with a letter stating that this device is refurbished and was previously returned as faulty and as such has been thoroughly overhauled by, you know, Apple technicians and tested to be, you know, in as new quality and therefore, you know, comes to you individually tested. So technically, if you buy a refurbished machine, that machine has been individually inspected, tested and qualified. Yes, which which many won't have been. Yeah. Yeah, and if you just buy one off the shelf, you know, um, as long as the... so. Oh, Whatever it I, is, you know one past. <laughs> That's right. You know, I had a new shower recently. Yes. Um, and um, the first one was faulty. It wouldn't heat the water. And uh, I was chatting to the guy who... So I had to get the guy from Triton, the, the manufacturer, to come and look at it. Uh, and there was no problem. He just swapped it out for another one. And he said, um, "He said, yeah, we, they only checked one in eight yeah. coming out of the factory. So, uh, so it's just one of those that slipped through. <laughs> Yeah, and it's the same for all manufacturers, I'm sure. Yeah, none, none. You know, they do a quality assurance check, and they check so many in a batch. You know, in batches, also like like I say, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, every tenth or every fiftieth or whatever. And and if that one fails, that whole batch go back to be you know rechecked. Yeah. But um, and it appears that the settlement is simply because Apple didn't think it was worth fighting it. I don't. Yeah. I, um, I mean, the sort of settlement financially because it's it's only seventy five. 95 million. 95 million. Which sounds a lot, but I mean, for Apple, it's. For Apple, I think some of It would cost an awful lot more than 95 to defend it. Probably. Um, (laughs) Some of these out, you know, where it's Apple have settled out of court, it's just come to agreement to make it go away. They've got better things to worry about. Okay, fine. Some of you aren't happy you got a refurbished device or a refurbished component when your, you know, your device was repaired. So does this document, I'm just having a quick look, does it say when when this was raised? Um, Doesn't, does it? Because, I mean, they have been doing it a long, long time. Well, as I say, uh, my my first one, my first example of this was the first iPhone. No, well, actually, I didn't didn't get the first iPhone. It was 3GS I, I bought. So it was the 3GS, um, but I'm sure they were doing it before that. Okay. Uh, um, so they've been doing it a long time, but it doesn't actually say in the article, does it? When it says here. Uh, when the lawsuit was uh, raised. The class includes all US residents who purchase an Apple Care Protection or Apple Care Plus directly or via iPhone upgrade program on or after July the 20th, 2012. Oh, it's uh, going back a fair while, isn't it? 
uh, is anticipated the class will receive between 63 and 68 million once the attorney fees and costs have been deducted. Yeah, and uh, those who have joined it will probably get about $4 a piece. <laughs> I suspect yeah. it doesn't say that in here. I'll be honest, it doesn't say that, but that's usually how it works out. Oh, you know, everybody who's re- re- received a repair since 2012, that's going to be a lot of people. <laughs> an awful lot of people. Yeah, I'm just reading the comments underneath as uh, the usual. Um, yeah. The, the usual extremes of uh, <laughs> one guy's put. How many people want a, re- a reworked logic board that's been subject to liquid damage? <laughs> yeah, but there's a bloke yeah, underneath. As, as if Apple do that. Yeah, yeah and so you think mm. that they take liquid damage, brush them off and send them out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, no, they don't. If it's liquid no, damage, probably, it goes No, of course the... they don't. They put them in the washing machine, Yeah, and then they're fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> dear, dear. dear, anyway, there you go. Always somebody keen to take a pop at Apple, I'm sure. Indeed. I mean, what was I talking about? Things getting returned. I, I can't remember who it was. It was one of the podcasts I listened to. It might have been the Grumpy Old Geeks. It would be their sort of thing. Where um, It might not have been. Might have, might have been APT. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Basically, one of the guys had a problem with his Microsoft mouse. It stopped working. And he'd gone through all this troubleshooting over the course of about two weeks. It wasn't the first time he'd mentioned it. Yeah, and then he'd he'd finally determined by getting another mouse um, out, you know, out, went up in his attic and got his spare mouse and used that, which was the same model out of the box, and it was fine. So he determined that the mouse was faulty. So then he contacted Microsoft about it, and they made him take a video of it and all sorts of complicated things, which he was moaning about at great length. Um, and then eventually <laughs> he said, "So fine." And then the, he said, "Oh, they they sent me a box, and I opened it, okay, and inside." was um, another, whatever, you know, mouse model it was. And he goes, it was yeah. filthy, all scratched and horrible and dirty oh, and, no. like, gross. And they goes, not wrapped or anything, just a cardboard box with a mouse in it. And he goes, it's, like, so horrible. I just, I think I'm just going to throw it in the bin. It's so disgusting. Oh, terrible. Yeah, you know. And another one. And then um, you get. And then you get other other issues. I remember having an issue with a, a router once, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was a was it Linksys? Uh, do you know? I can't remember. Um, anyway, it was a, a router, uh, and I'd had it two and a half years, and it suddenly failed on me. I, I I looked up the light sequence, you know, as you do. Yeah. And um, and it said, yeah, this is this is had it. Uh, and I rang them up and said, yeah, I bought it at this time it's you know it's showing these lights and they said uh oh well it's within three years no problem we'll send you a new one yeah that was it <laughs> and like, oh okay do you want me to send the old one back no just throw it away just throw it away <laughs> i had um uh what was it seagate i used to have some seagate drives at yeah. work and one failed and they have a very long warranty on them seagate i think it's about three years so i check the you know you go on their their returns thing is a bit of a fag to do but you go onto their site and you put in the serial number and um it says oh yeah right you bought this on such and such you're covered and then you just send it back and they just send you another one you know yeah. send you another model and, uh, and in all honesty quite often apple are like that i mean it's not always like that for everybody but this this early iphone that i had um, I took it in. I said, I can't get it to connect to Wi-Fi. And they tried to connect to their internal Wi-Fi. And they said, you're right, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and he disappeared and came back and said, here you are, have another iPhone. <laughs> have another iPhone. Well, I'd, um, 
I don't know if you remember, I've talked about it on the show. I had a, I can't remember what model it was, fix, maybe. And I had a, it went blind. I had it about three days and it just went completely dumb. It couldn't see Wi-Fi, oh, right. couldn't see anything. It just went completely. And um, it was the same. It was like, send it back. Oh, yeah, it's dead. Have another phone. <laughs> Here, yeah. have a replacement. Which is what you want, really, when yeah. you're... Uh... Having said that, I've never taken out um, Apple Care. No, um, no, nor have I. I've never thought it was worth it for me because I really look after my kit, and so it very rarely goes wrong. Yeah, and, um, I'll, I'll and be if honest. it is going to go wrong, if it's if it's broken when you buy it, I mean, obviously that's covered by warranty. So yeah, you know, um, all the machines I've had that have had to go back to Apple for whatever reason have either. Um, failed you know within the first year or something or have been covered by an extended warranty of some sort yeah like yeah. um uh, my g5 imac had the thing with the mid-planar video board failed which was the period of the bulging capacitors and oh uh, yes they yeah. they because it had become you know obvious that there was an issue apple did a you know one of their extended repair programs um so when that failed it was like yeah it's out of warranty but you're on the extended cover because of there's a known problem so yeah um, yeah so it, so it, it it'll be interesting to see if that changes apple's behaviors in any way i doubt if it will no probably but, uh, no um but potentially i suppose it could they might have a rethink and uh, give out new new stuff i don't know and, and and i suppose it depends on how it plays out because that's only in the u.s presumably i guess so um um so it could be it could be in other countries that uh that it's Can't different be. yeah yeah i don't know i don't know either I'll be we'll have to wait and see but it, 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 but wh- whichever whichever it doesn't you know on the whole it really doesn't matter it really doesn't matter you're still you're still effectively getting a new piece of kit so, yeah yeah there we are uh the original Apple Watch Series Zero, as we have come to know it, of course, uh, is now vintage. Oh, does that yes. mean it's now got the you know snazzy headlights and a, and a, a running board? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, what have we got here? Um, the original Apple Watch has been added to the list of vintage and obsolete products. Um, Twenty. Actually, it's not very. Yeah, it's not very long, really, is it, for a piece of kit? Uh, Twenty fifteen to twenty twenty one. I think that's what they how they uh more than six years ago technically um yeah true I mean but it's just that you know Max will last a lot longer won't they but uh, yeah but it doesn't stop them you know doesn't stop them going on the obsolete list or oh the, that's true that's know. true yeah I mean all that does is uh, it's just it, using the word vintage makes it sound as if it's old <laughs> yeah well they have they have vintage which I think so is, is vintage before obsolete. I yeah. mean, have they got an obsolete? Yeah. Yes, they have vintage, which I think means that if you send one in for repair, they will fix it if they have parts. Right. Um, but can't, you know, if parts for the... Um, and oh, so it... after seven years, they become obsolete. Yeah, and I think if it's obsolete, yeah. they, they basically no, no longer obliged. No longer eligible. Yeah. They're no longer no obliged. No longer eligible to... to be repaired by Apple. Yeah. Or Apple authorised service providers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I suppose that's fair enough. Well, when it's while it's vintage, you can um, they will fix it for you if they still have parts. I think is how that works. So, I mean, it was very limited anyway, wasn't it? The the zero. I mean, the, it it was good for telling the time. 
and um, and you could run a few apps on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it hadn't got GPS and stuff, had it? It hadn't. There was an awful lot of stuff it hadn't got. No, although I must so, admit, I kept mine for a long time. You did, yeah. I did keep mine. Oh, that's not time. saying it doesn't work absolutely fine as a watch, and uh, you know, it just didn't doesn't keep up with all the latest. That's if you want all the latest. I mean, you know, the latest phone phone the latest watch is a very nice piece of kit but i wouldn't be buying it no because it's just not for me well you know i've told you i hardly wear a watch these days i mean i've got two or apple watch zeros both of which um the battery swelled up and pushed the screens off um i thought about sending them back to be fixed but i thought i don't even know if it's really worth the effort um Um, maybe not so i suppose really i should find somewhere to put them in a recycling facility yes Oh well, I suppose we've got to expect the uh, expect them to go down that path at some point. Yep, indeed. And it, after all, it's a little computer, and you know, <laughs> computers do get obsoleted and vintaged, don't they? So yep, they do. After indeed. a number of years, so it's unlike the uh, unlike the. I wonder what happens to the you know the really snazzy, really expensive ones they did originally. Oh, what like the gold I mean, edition? Yeah, yeah. I mean, presumably they still they still go vintage the same yeah. way. Yep, they do indeed. That's an awful lot of. I, I wonder if they still have any any value left. It'd be interesting to see guess. how much of their original value they still had. Yeah, well, they were ten grand or probably something. not a lot. Um, Intel have uh, taken what is described as another sad swing at the Apple MacBooks. Um, this one's on BGR, but it was on um, a couple of other places. Um, remember, they hired Justin Long to promote how fabulous yes. Intel's processors were uh, in a uh, campaign which was largely derided by all and sundry as a bit pointless. Um, they've got a new advert um, called Breaking the Spell, a Social Experiment. Um, and supposedly it shows Apple fans, uh, including, uh, sorry, being included in the focus group for upcoming devices. And the Apple fans will say they're huge Apple device users. Um, and then the Intel representative shows them all sorts of technologies coming to future notebooks. Intel walks them through things like upgradable laptop hardware, gaming support and touchscreen displays. Then Intel reveals to the participants these technologies actually already exist in the form of PCs. Um, and uh, the general the general response to be is this is actually you're actually being insulting to people who use Macs because you're implying that they're idiots and have no idea what's going on in the world of tech. So, uh, that's... well, yeah, maybe. I mean, the the fact is there will be people out there who don't know because they've always had a Mac that are, and they're not interested in the technology. They're only really interested in it as a tool, and they may not know you can get touch screens and things. But the thing I always think about. I mean, if if I ever considered buying a uh, a laptop, uh, a PC, I'd probably spend about the same as I would on a on a on a Mac one anyway. Uh, so I'd get a, quite a good piece of kit. But the trouble is, it runs Windows, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Mac OS is just so much better. It really is, and 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 it's that under for me, it's that sort of underlying familiarity and underlying ease of use. That is Apple's big selling point. Apple have never really sold it as that. Um, well, they did at one time because they used to say it just works, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but it, but it, but it's still so much better an operating system than Windows will ever be, in my opinion. 
um, that and, and having a touchscreen and um, being able to play games, well, for some of us that's not important. So well, it really is depending. If it really depends on who you ask the question to, well, it doesn't does, it? doesn't it? And, and of make... course they get. And of course, you know, they want to make the point, so they've chosen people who they know will be surprised that you can Ooh, do those things. Yeah. I didn't on a PC that. and not on a Mac. Yeah, no. um, you know, but I'm... you're right. It's. Um, it's a li- it, it's just a shame that they it's a little bit like Intel have taken over from where Samsung left off left off, isn't it? Yes. At one time, all Samsung could say is, "Oh, look how rubbish! Look how rubbish Apple stuff is," uh, as it's much faster and has great, much better specs. Uh, and now it's Intel. They're not saying they've got better specs. They're saying, "Oh, you can do so much more on our, P- our laptop PCs. Why don't you just sell it what it is?" But the, 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 uh, the, you know, it's a good piece of kit. But, but the thing no is, on top of that, Intel don't make any any hardware. You know, they make well, they the stuff that goes inside it. So I don't know what they're trying to do. I assume no, they're just I think, trying to. I think promote it's. Um, I mean, this article in- says. Yeah, this article says, doesn't it, that it, it it's a little bit of fear, really. They, they realise that Apple have taken a big step with the M1s. Yeah. Um, and there is one line which I'd like to refute. I'm, I may still be wrong, but it does say at the end of the first paragraph, uh, just delivered its latest sad attack against Apple, just as the company is readying the M1X MacBook Pro launch. Not this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be this year. Uh, I might be wrong. I may be wrong, but I'm, that's what I think. <laughs> but uh yeah sad intel you can do better than that i, I think I, I think this is the for me the key line in this is intel isn't just afraid of the apple m system on a chip which will only power a fraction of the computers sold each year apple's lead is inspiring others to come up with m1 alternatives Google has launched a Tensor SoC for Pixel phones, um, and versions of it might well power Pixel-branded laptops and tablets in the future. Um, Which is taking all the uh, business away from Intel, yeah. Yeah, um, and Samsung may have similar ambitions for ARM chips, and these SoCs could replace Intel in traditional Windows laptops. That's what they're scared of. Yeah, you're right. That's what they're worried about because and they've got and they've got a point. They have a point. If you want to play games, don't buy a Mac. Well, sorry. If you want to play, if you want to play the latest games on on a gaming PC, yes, in inverted if, commas, if you then want, don't buy a Mac because it, that's it, it's not meant to be a gaming PC. <laughs> it, it, but that does, you know, there are plenty of games available for the Mac. I've played lots of games on the Mac over the years. Oh, there are. Yes, I'm not saying there aren't. I, I just. I just, you can yes. see, it's a very narrow mindset, isn't it? That it's says like if you want to play, Max can't play games. If you want to play Call of Duty, you know, on the higher settings and get seventy-five frames per second rating and all the rest, yeah, go out and buy a gaming PC, you know. And then the the thing that I find laughable about that though is those sort of machines will set you back two grand and then probably another one to two grand for the for the uh, graphics card. The graphics card, yeah, that's true. They're expensive machines. They're expensive machines. You are, you know. So it's not it's not really comparing like with like. It's a little bit like all the uh, all the electric car stuff. It gets a bit frustrating after a while. Yeah. I was watching I was watching YouTube last night and the guy was talking about the oh the new Megane. I think he was talking about. So there's a very nice looking new Megane coming. It's probably going to be out of my price bracket. Um, but it, it's grown up a little bit. It's not like the old Megan used to look. It's a little bit more SUV-like because that's what everyone wants. Um, and he said, oh, what was it he said? 
as we've come to expect from electric cars, its performance isn't stellar. I thought, oh. have you been have you been under a rock since yeah. <laughs> since, really? since the Teslas did naught to sixty in two point one seconds? <laughs> And yes, you're right. Not all the cars do that. <laughs> but then not everyone wants a car that can do that. <laughs> you know, oh, just, just, these things are just, you just like, yeah, sorry, your bias is showing. Uh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you know, that is just, oh, that, no, it, you know, if you you can go out and you can buy yourself, I don't know, let's see, I don't know, but some sort of like a Kia or um, something like that. Be it, you know, yeah. internal combustion engine or electric. And no, it is not going to compete with, you know, uh, a, a top end, you know, sports saloon. No, but then, yeah. But you wouldn't expect a petrol car to do the same, would you? <laughs> No, exactly. <laughs> it's it's just because it's just because Tesla did it. They think that well, all cars should be like that. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> the, but that's the same as saying, look, this Lamborghini, which is two hundred and fifty grand plus or whatever it is, it goes way faster yes. than this Mini. And... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know what they used uh, to say? You know, Rolls Royce ambitions with a Morris Minor budget. Um... <laughs> yes. They were, they were good little cars, Morris Miners. Yes, they were. My brother had a Morris Miner. Went on and on and on forever. Um, yeah. Side valve. Anyway, we've got a, a sorry, I've sidetracked us there. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Uh, so, what else have we got in the list? Um, um, dup, 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 dup. Uh, Daring Fireball, The Tragedy of Safari 15 for Max Tabs. Uh, John Gruber, uh, uncharacteristically, uh, having a kick off at Apple. Um, I, don't oh. know, I don't know if you've read it. Um, I haven't. He, he also uh, was on the talk show with, uh, I can't remember, John Syracuse, I think, but I could be wrong, um, where they spent half of a show bemoaning, you know, uh, Safari 15 and how horrible it is. Um, it's. I've grown quite used to having the... Um... Having the what's it bar at the bottom, I didn't think I would. But well, he, he was talking about the Mac on the Mac um, on the Mac. Oh, right. I mean the yes on on iOS, I've grown used to that quite quickly. Yes, I, I thought I have. Some people have gone, oh, you know, it's horrible and it's stupid, and I've immediately turned it off. But that wasn't really an option when I was doing the betas, and um, yeah, initially it was horrible, as I've said. There was very weird at first, and they did some very strange things. But towards yeah. the end, um. No, it's settled down, and I'm quite happy with the way it works now at, at the bottom. Um, and they reversed, you know, initially the, the sort of trend to put all of the controls behind one button. You had, you know, that was stupid. Just added endless more clicks for no purpose. On the Mac, do I like it as much as the old tabs? No, but I can live with it. It's not, you know. Um, they're saying it's a crime against, you know, user interface. And there are things, <laughs> you know, there are things about it which I agree with. You no, know, the, the sort of button tabs do nothing, right? They do not achieve anything. They break the tab kind of um, metaphor and they're now disassociated, really. If you have if you have the favourites bar on, they're no longer next to the um, next to the content. It would be better if the favourites bar was above. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, I, it, I think probably part of the part of my problem is that I actually don't browse on my Mac at, much, very much at all. Most of my browsing is done on my, either on my phone or on, on mostly on the iPad. So, so I just don't really notice it. I don't let it annoy me because I'm hardly using it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so at the moment, at the moment, you know, I've got a fully 
the daring fireball page has made everything go grey, including the tab bar at the top. Mm. And the, it, it doesn't drive me mad. It's not. I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> I mean, you I'm not going to use it for very long. You can turn that off, and I must admit, I yeah, got, I'm sure you can. I got yeah. well. You couldn't at first, but um, you can in the release. Yes, I know. I, I, I remember you saying yeah when and we were I, talking about it. The novelty of it wore off very soon. Let's put it that way. So um, I turned that off. Um, and I have the, the tabs in the sort of tab view, not the compact view. Um, and I mostly have the favourites bar hidden so that the tabs are at least directly above the page. But it, it's not yes. horrible. I mean, it, it's yeah, I can see I some of these that... points. You know, I agree with. Yes, some and of I think if I think if you use it a lot, then things can get on your nerves, can't they? I mean, if if it's something you use daily um, a lot. Um, then changing things and them not working as... I mean, the thing is, it has to work for you, doesn't it? And if it doesn't work as well for you, then you, you, you're going to want to switch it off. Yes. It's as simple as that, uh, particularly if you're doing it for work. Um, so I, I sort of can understand that. But uh, but no, it doesn't bother me because, as I say, I hardly use it on the yeah. Mac. It... In fact, now is probably the only time I'm using it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> while we're doing the show. While we're doing the show, so you can follow yeah. follow the links in the notes, yeah. It's um. I've learned to live with it. I agree with some of his complaints. I do. There are certain things about it, but they're not. You know, they don't make me rage and gnash my teeth and pull my hair out. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll get used to it, and sooner or later, someone will say, "Oh, can we do something different?" <laughs> well, if any, anyone wants to have a wants to have a good old agree or a good old rant, then uh, have a look at. Uh the show notes because it'll be in there and a link to yep yep links are in the show notes. john gruber's tragedy <laughs> yes <laughs> the tragedy of safari 15 for max tabs um as he said our long national ios 15 safari nightmare ended last month um praise be but the lesser of the two bad safari designs unveiled at wwdc persists and actually shipped uh, there you go. Anyway, John is not happy. Which oh, poor old, poor, poor old John, poor old John Gruber. <laughs> yeah, which is unusual. I mean, he must it must really be grinding his gears because um, yeah, it must be. Yeah, as he, I say, if you use it, if you use it a lot and it's spoilt it for you, it, I can understand you wanting to rent to rant a bit. Yeah, there we are. It's a little bit like having a, a favourite feature in uh, you know, in anything, really, isn't it? I mean. Your favourite interface on your TV, or your your favourite gear control in your car, or your <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost anything really. If you really really like something, and then someone comes along and says, "Actually, this is better," and you think, "No, it isn't." <laughs> that must be very annoying. Uh, talk, talking of that, I mean, you know, as I said, I went and test drove the the EC4, as we know, and you you've yes. driven it. Um, the one thing about it I didn't like was the little tiny gear selector on the centre console. You know, I, I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, I'm not. I can live. I could live with that if I if I had one. Yeah, um, I mean, I could live with it, but I'm much it's, it's happier not with that bad. The, you know, I'm much happier with the stalk on the by the steering yeah, wheel. Well, you know. I mean, I wouldn't mind going back to my old uh, the leaf. The leaf had like a little a little round um, puck like thing that you just pulled towards you to go into drive and pulled towards you again to go into B mode. Yeah, so like um, a... and it was and it was very natural and it was quite a, it was something it was actually quite a nice thing to put your hand on. You know, it actually had a nice feel to it and everything. Yeah. Um and I agree that that's I tell you what, the um the DS three though has an even worse one on. I didn't like it at all. It's got like a sort of if you can imagine like a, a brake handle with like a bend in the top of it. And okay. and to actually 
actually put it in drive, you had to press a button on the side of it and then pull it back towards you. It was the most unnatural thing I'd ever come across. I thought, well, I like the car, but I really don't like this. This, I mean, admittedly, with an electric car, once it's in gear, you don't touch it again. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, obviously. So, I'd... But uh, whoever designed that, I don't know. But it's, it's yeah, try... didn't like that. I mean, when I was a kid and my dad had automatics, they used to tend to have like a T-bar gear shifter, which you just went, you know, forward for reverse, then it was part, then neutral, whatever. Yeah. A bit like a bit like the gear stick on a chopper bicycle, for those of us who are of a certain age. The Raleigh chopper bicycle, which had a sort of forward-back stick for gear shifting. But, um, no, I'm quite happy with the, you know, one on the, on the steering column, you know. But, yes, it's an automatic. You put it in drive, that's it. I mean, most of the time, the only time you're changing it is when you're parking or putting it in reverse. So That's right. Yeah, I was just just trying to see if I could find a picture of it, but I can't, sadly. Oh, there it is. Hold on, I'm just going to copy this into the... Uh, so you can see it. Copy link. Oh, no, I've just copied the link. I want to copy the image. Oh, that's all right. The link comes up. I'll follow the link. Okay. Uh, paste. Oh, that's a long link. Oh, some of them are. If you've used a search... If you used a search... Yes, I just did it in Google search. Yeah. Oh, what the hell is that? Well, exactly. It's it's it, and you you literally pull the whole thing back towards you, but it won't work unless you press a button on the on the side that's nearest the driver. Oh no! It's no. It, it's not a good design. That looks ghastly. It's sort of like a pilot's <laughs> joystick, but yeah, know. yeah, that's right. Except you're not actually steering with it. <laughs> I, I mean, I've had cars in the past where you had to push a button in on the gear stick to get reverse. Yeah. Or like the ones well, where you have to on, pu- push the, the stick uh, on, down on, or whatever, you know. Yeah, on mine, it's literally just a button. Yeah. So you just press the button, you're in drive. Yeah. And away you go. Or press, press, you know, B for regenerative or whatever. And uh, uh, and that's all it is on the uh, on the Hyundai, which, you know, is in many ways much simpler. Well, that, that looks ghastly. I'll be honest. That looks absolutely <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Oh dear! Right there you yeah. go. So, no, never mind Safari. Have a look at that gear stick. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean that makes that makes the slidey little slidey switch selector in the E4 look positively, um, you know, well designed. Well yes. done. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it because let's face it, they're all electronic. Um, well, there's not even a gearbox. Yes. Is and as I say, it's not like car. it's not like you're having to reach down and change gear all the while because you don't die in electric cars. No. Once you drive, so you only have to use it when you park the car, or when you start, and when you move off. Yeah, or when you want to go um, into reverse, basically. Or yeah, or yeah, change gear, uh, but, forward or backwards. But but even so, I would have thought someone could have designed something a bit better. Than yeah, that. That, that is horrible. That is horrible. There we go. Um, what have we got? Uh, I think that's pretty much all of the Apple stuff. So um. I'm just going to uh, say a couple of things. Then I think we'll go over to uh, John Nemo, who has some products to review in his hardware store, and then we'll come back. But a couple of things I meant to mention in the start of the show. Uh, A big thank you to Alistair Jenks. That's Z-K-A-R-J. That's his call sign. Um, From the Slack, who has signed up for Patreon. Thank you very much, Alistair. Much appreciated. You're decent of him. Um, Gareth Evans, who's known as Sean Gum, has joined our Slack. So welcome to him. Welcome, Gareth. Yes, welcome to our merry band. So don't forget, if you're listening and you want to join um, Gareth and Alistair and all the rest of us in the Slack, follow the link in the show notes and you can do that. And uh, 
I also meant to mention, uh, you know, uh, apparently if you're a Zoroastrian, it's uh, Mir Jashan was uh, the other day, which I believe is a, you know, a festival, enjoying you know, oh, right. eat, eating, drinking and dancing, if you're a, you follow that. Um, and tomorrow and the day after uh, for the Baha'i, it's the birth of the Bab and then the birth of the, I hope I pronounce this right, Baha. Ula, um, and they are the uh, the Baha'i equivalent of John the Baptist and um, Jesus Christ. Oh, the, right. Um, the Bab is uh, stands for, uh, translates, I believe, as the Gate, who uh, foretold the coming of uh, the Baha'u'ala. Uh, I've mangled that, I'm sure. If you uh, you know of the Baha'i faith, um, Indians celebrated the birthday of Mahatma Gandhi. Um, I think that was yesterday. And uh, Hindus are beginning Navarati, which uh, is a festival of nine nights followed by um, a festival. If cool. you are, yes, can't uh, beat a good festival. Can't beat a good festival. Um, I think Navarati is a bit like it's uh, uh, it's it, it's a, a nine days of you know reflection. Um, right. Yeah, nine days of reflection and uh, contrition. That sounds or whatever. a little. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like. Um, the um the run up to Christmas for Christians tends to be yes it's or, you know or late yeah, a reflective possibly. time it's uh anyway it's uh, it's a religious uh, nine days and then it's followed by a, a big festival apparently so there you go oh but, well looked up yes Good stuff any of our any of our listeners who follow any of those faiths I hope you enjoyed or enjoy your festivals and um, if we have any listeners who are uh, Sikhs or uh, Jains or any other uh, religion I don't know much about, feel free to, you know, message the Slack or send me, uh, you know, a tweet on the Twitters and uh, tell me about any festivals of yours, which I should mention, because, you know, I like to be inclusive. There we go. Uh, right, we'll go over to John now, shall we? We'll go over to John in his hardware store uh, while Nick and I get a fresh cup of tea and then we'll come back and talk about some more things. So, uh, take it away, John. When you get a new iPhone 12, or even better, a brand new 13 phone, there are three accessories that we recommend here at Nemo's Hardware Store on the Essential Apple Podcast. The first is a glass front screen protector. Second is a good protective case for the back and the sides. I talked about both of those recently from Catalyst.com. But there's another type of case you may want to consider called a MagSafe case. When I think of MagSafe, I think of the quick detachable cable, the charging cable that I use on my MacBook Pro from 2015. Well, MagSafe, the same word, means something different when it comes to the iPhone. You put this special case on the back that you have to buy. It's not included when you get the phone. Once the case is on there, you buy another accessory called a MagSafe charger, and you set the phone onto this charger. It's magnetic, and it just charges up the phone. You don't need to plug in a cable, which is a good thing. It's like a Qi or a Qi charger, except it uses a special new magnetic way of gripping the phone to the magnet in the MagSafe charger. My charger is here. Our favorite portable battery company called MyCharge, M-Y-C-H-A-R-G-E.com, 
and I've been using and recommending these for years and years. MyCharge.com has a MagLock portable wireless MagSafe charger for all the 12 and 13 version iPhones that have the MagSafe capability. Looks like a small handheld battery, which is exactly what it is. Colors to match your new phone. And it comes with a one foot long USB-C to regular USB flat charging cable. You plug the charging cable into any USB charger and you charge up this portable battery. The one we have is graphite, sort of a medium gray color. You charge up the portable battery charger, which is what I'm holding in my hand, the portable battery, until that is fully charged. The one we have for review is 6000 mAh, so it can charge up a standard phone or a pro phone or a mini phone a couple of times or a jumbo max phone maybe one and a half times. You'll figure that out eventually. And then you take the cable off because you don't need that anymore. And when your phone is running out of gas or petrol, as they say, you just set your phone on it because the phone has a compatible MagSafe case that locks in to the MagLock charger. It sounds complicated. From all the videos and the articles I've read, it's very, very easy. And many companies are trying to be the best in the business. Well, I will always start with my charge because their value is so good and their quality is so good. They have three different capacities. The baby model that I do not recommend is 3000 mAh for $50 US. The one we have for review, twice as much, 6000 mAh for $60 US. But the best value is the top of the line, MagLock 9000 mAh for $70. You get a lot more power for a little bit more money. And you'll be able to carry this around with you and charge up your phone pretty much forever until you get back to an AC power charger that you can plug the USB cable tip into and charge up the MagLock. Go to the website that we have in our links for this show notes, Essential Apple, here at Nemo's Hardware Store, to read about the MyCharge MagLock portable charger. Magnetic wireless power bank has all sorts of other features that I'm not going to bore you with right now, but they've gone out of their way to make it rugged and to make it compatible with the MagSafe case on your new phone. It's possible you know somebody who has one. I heard Tim and David talking about it recently on the TechFan podcast, so some people I know already have MagSafe case, but now you can carry around your portable MagLock charger with you. Well done, my charge. Back next week. Thank you for that, John. And, of course, the links are in the show notes, as ever. Um, right. Um, so, we'll move on. The tech news of the week, Nick. Uh, big. Indeed. Big, big story. Somebody tripped over the power plug at Facebook and uh, <laughs> took their home. <laughs> Took their whole network down for six hours. Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook, all down, all down. Um, whenever I, whenever I hear anyone say that, it does remind me of um, my days working for Seven Trent when, uh, when we used to have these call loggers. So they didn't log the actual calls; they just logged log the length of the call and where it was from, what, we, how it went through our network, and that kind of thing. And um, <laughs> occasionally, some of the outlying um, offices. 
um, uh, literally all it was was plugged into the telephone network. So sometimes someone would unplug the root, the uh, the logger, and uh, <laughs> plug a telephone into it. And I suddenly noticed that you know all the data had disappeared for this one particular site. <laughs> and uh, we'd get an engineer to go out, and literally all he would do was go out and pull out the plug and plug it and plug the other plug back in again. <laughs> So it does happen. It does happen. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it was a DNS outage of some form. Um, what have we got here? Uh, Facebook says uh, a faulty configuration change was to blame for the six-hour outage. And uh, Cloudflare blog have uh, posted a thing understanding how Facebook disappeared from the internet, uh, which I think explains in more depth what they managed to mess up. Um, I think I've read somewhere that uh, Facebook insists on running their own DNS server, um, you know, or whatever it is, hub. Yeah. And um, somehow they managed to misconfigure it during some sort of uh, maintenance and managed to take themselves down for six hours. uh... Considering how careful big companies are about change control and that kind of thing, because they realise this kind of thing can happen. It's just sad, really, that occasionally it does. Yeah, there we go. Uh, long, as long I'm, as I'm, I'm not one for be- I'm not one for beating them up in a big way because you know these things do happen. These and, things uh, happen to everybody, but yeah, I think it was quite interesting. I heard very different views uh, in various places um, about the outage. Some people were saying um, you know, it was like their right arm had been cut off. Um, other people were saying, um, uh, "What a nice quiet afternoon it had been." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A bit simply because they, their phone wasn't pinging all the while with messages on WhatsApp and yeah, exactly and whatever. Um, so uh, so yes, it, it's interesting to see how people responded to it. Uh, I saw a post somewhere. Somebody I thought it had been a very quiet afternoon until I found out that WhatsApp was down. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we all like to laugh a little bit at big companies when they mess up. So as long as they don't blame the intern, that's all I can say. Do not go blaming yes. some poor intern. I'm sure it wasn't the intern. No, exactly. <laughs> and uh, as we've It was said one of those before, overlooked things. I, I mean, I, I said to you, didn't I, before the show that the company I used to work for, occasionally we had a, a partial network outage where someone had just forgotten to renew a network license. Yeah. Uh, and we just got cut off, basically, which was a bit embarrassing, especially because, you know, um, uh, very often IT is seen as the sort of exterior, almost like an external company within a company. Um, yes, it was a, was a bit embarrassing when it happened. Uh, <laughs> but it happens to, you know, it does happen. These are complex systems. And uh, even though, as I say, change controls can be very complex um, and involve an awful lot of people, just occasionally something gets missed. And it's just unfortunate if you're the one in the firing line. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, what have we got here? What have Cloudflare actually said? Today at 1551 uh, UTC, we opened an internal incident called Facebook DNS Lookup Returning Server File. Um, and we were worried that something was wrong with our DNS resolver at 1.1.1.1. Um, as we were about to post on the public status page, we realised something more serious was going on. Um, social media burst into flames reporting what our engineers rapidly confirmed. Facebook and its affiliated services were in fact all down. Their DNS names stopped resolving and their infrastructure IPs were unreachable, like someone had pulled the cables from their data centres all at once. Oh dear. Uh, 
Right, so what's it say here? Um, Facebook has published a blog post giving details of what happened. Uh, externally, we saw BGP and DNS problems outlined, but the problem actually began with a configuration change which affected the entire internal backbone, cascaded into Facebook and other properties disappearing and staff internal to Facebook unable to have, uh, sorry, internal to Facebook having difficulty getting the service up again. Well, there we go. Um, there's more of that, but that gets a little bit more technical, but there you go. I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm one of the people who actually didn't notice that it had gone down. <laughs> and I, I do watch Facebook quite a lot, and I do, look, I do, I, I do use WhatsApp, um, but, uh, but not every minute of every day. No. And as a consequence, yeah, I didn't know it had been down until it was back up again. Uh, well, obviously, I don't use Facebook, so I wouldn't know. I do have a, I am part of a WhatsApp group, which is uh, my tabletop role-playing group. So, you know, there's only right. eight of us on there. So, and that's not exactly what you'd call the busiest board. It's usually you know, when somebody says, how about meeting on such and such a date? Or yes. That yeah, it's thing. like, it, so, so the WhatsApp groups, most of the WhatsApp groups are to do with church and the biggest one has little flurries of activity and, and then it will go quiet for half a day or three quarters of a day. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, uh, so it's easy for a, you know, for me to miss that it's gone down yeah. if it's been down for six hours. It could have been down for 24 hours and I'd not know that would be honest. <laughs> true, you know. Yeah. I mean, as I say, it's such a small group with such a specific purpose that um, yeah. it, it gets used in flurries when a game is coming up or a game has been and people want to talk about it. But um, only, you know, I wouldn't have chosen WhatsApp, but most of the other players were on WhatsApp. So I went with the go with the flow. There we are. So, um, yeah, Facebook managed to bring themselves down and uh, much hilarity was had on Twitter at their expense. I'm sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> lots of, you know, yeah, lots of uh, lots of gifts of people accidentally pulling out the plug and such like, you know, the, the usual. And um, a, a flurry this, uh, when it came back of people going, oh, more bad news. Facebook is back, uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, on the same thing, whilst they were down, some wag attempted to sell the uh, domain facebook.com. Uh, <laughs> they put it up on a... Cheeky. Yes, they put it up for sale on what is apparently a very reputable, uh, you know, domain name uh, seller, uh, whatever they're called, you know. Like, it, it wasn't like GoDaddy or whatever, but it was one of the uh, big and uh, well-respected domain name uh, sellers, I guess, um, who... Uh, posted afterwards that uh, when they realized that facebook.com was posted for sale on their uh, you know on their service they checked into it found that the person who listed it had no right to it or you know that it was not actually available so it was pulled but uh, yeah. so, some some wag having a bit of uh, well either chancing somebody snapping it up for a lot of money while nobody noticed or just having a laugh at Facebook's expense, I'm not sure, but there you go. That was the, uh, <laughs> that was that. And I haven't got a lot more to say about it, really, other than I found it quite amusing. You know, you know yeah. a bit of uh, laugh at, uh, what was it? Um, I don't remember who, but somebody posted, um, it might have been Glenn Fleischman. Anyway, somebody posted, uh, Facebook has hit a Zuckerberg. Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, that's it. Um, Right. Of Amazon, it was the other big uh the big tech news this week. Amazon had their uh, their event, um I don't know what it's called. Um uh anyway, they had their event where apparently they announced 45 products. Um 
But the big news is they uh, introduced a robot called Astrobot, um, which is a rather funny looking thing. It looks like um, somebody described it as an echo show perched on a Roomba that doesn't actually vacuum your house, um, which isn't actually <laughs> true. But uh, yes, it's a. It's yeah, it says of... in this article. It says yeah. in this article. It says uh, Astro, a plucky little robot that wheels around your home using facial recognition to identify people as they come and go. You can track the video clips it records on your phone, and if it spots something amiss, it'll send you a notification. Oh, and it's a hit at parties thanks to the onboard cup holders and a pre-programmed penchant for beatboxing. <laughs> <laughs> and as I was pointing out earlier, I mean that they managed to sell quite a lot of the robot dogs, so why not a why not a robot? <laughs> yep. Um apparently it can deliver up to two kilos of cargo. Um there we are. It yeah, well. Um apparently in truth at the moment it's an invitation only beta and you will have to pay a thousand dollars to get one. Just a concept. Um, and, but they, they're saying it will be for sale later in the year or early next year, um, that it will be retailing for approximately 1500 US dollars. Um, oh, that's a lot. To be honest, if you look at it, it it reminds me most of all of, um, you know, those small cylinder vacuum cleaners that are supposed to be for doing your stairs rather than a a big... Oh, yes, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, the sort of things that tend to be very compact and often are designed to sit on the stairs as you vacuum your stairs. Um, It looks like one of those with a sort of an iPad or a surface bolted on the top of it. Uh, so uh, well, it'll be, it remains to be seen whether it'll be popular yeah, or not. Who knows it be, whether it will be popular or not? There's always people with plenty of money to uh, to spend. I'm sure. Um, what was the uh, follow up to that? Um, yes, CNET say Amazon Astro Robot is an adorable privacy nightmare. Um, <laughs> there you go. Depending on how you feel about it, uh, we've let the most powerful corporations draw their own lines lines on privacy in our homes, and now they have given us a face scanning patrol bot from hell. Apparently. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd describe it quite like that, but there we go. No, and it can't go upstairs, by the way. <laughs> no, it can, cannot no, go not up until, the stairs. Not until it learns to fly, like the like the Daleks. Like the Daleks, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the Daleks, it's confounded by stairs. Uh, I did see a report somewhere uh, comments apparently that while they were developing it, um, it had a penchant for not only could it not negotiate stairs, but apparently in early versions it had a penchant for flinging itself downstairs. <laughs> apparently in early oh early dear. early testing, it wasn't just that it couldn't detect the stairs, but if it saw stairs, it would literally fling itself down them. Um, that surprises me because, I mean, most robot vacuums these days can find the stairs. So I'm surprised that they had problems with the how you know yeah. how early on that was and um well, how reliable yeah. those reports are um i couldn't tell you but they were apparently some people who'd worked on the project said very early versions were prone to flinging themselves down the stairs <laughs> uh there you go but um you'll some find people will absolutely love it no doubt oh yes um to be honest it seems to mostly be as yeah an alexa show on wheels which can follow you around and do all the usual sort of alexa type things um yeah i think so uh apparently astro will ship later this year apparently a thousand pound a thousand dollars from amazon sign up to request an invitation today um oh read more uh 
more more info from there anyway there you go uh so if you want to read about that we've got links to that um <laughs> yes there's a little video of it here look delivering a bloke a bottle of beer i noticed she's got a, <laughs> i noticed she's got a lovely wide open home with uh, you know laminate wood floor of course <laughs> of course yes without any any lips or uh, yeah, changes no, of uh, no doorstep he wouldn't get very I doubt he'd get very far in my house. He'd either stick in the rucked up carpets or be yes. foiled by a shoe thrown on the floor by either my son or the dog. Um, <laughs> or attacked by the dog. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Either that or the dog will run away and hide. Anyway, there's a little video on here of it. Oh, it's got a periscope camera of some sort as well that comes out of the top. There we are. Interesting. 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 There we are. Amusing. Um, I don't think I'd buy one, to be honest. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I got better th- things to spend a thousand pounds on or more. Um, but there are plenty of people with plenty of money, and no doubt early adopters will have great fun with it. There we are. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And as I say, apparently they introduced um, also a drone of some sort, I believe. Um, yes, you said 40 odd items, yeah, didn't you? 40, 40 odd. 45, uh, somebody told me. That's, um, that's quite a lot. They don't think, do things by half, do they, Amazon, when they're releasing stuff? No, they um, big launch event. What does it say about the big launch event? Oh no, that's a no, that's a video of the of their stuff. Anyway, there we go. Uh, if you're interested in Amazon stuff, they have um, introduced a whole load of stuff. Um, oh yes, the the home security uh, drone, which will fly around your house, will be shipped soon and starts from two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, that's the one that um, yes, that Paul calls the, the helicopter of death or something yeah. with laser beams. Yeah, <laughs> an Amazon Glow, a $250 gadget with an 8-inch screen and a 22-inch flatboard on which kids can remotely play games and learn. Seems rather expensive. Um, yeah. And a variety of other things. There we go. Um, lots of lots of stuff from Amazon, no doubt. Refreshed echoes and shows and all those sorts yes. of things. Um, the day, of course, is Windows 11 launch day. Um, for those who, uh, you know, wish to... Are interested in that kind of thing. ...plunge into that. Um, also, of course, uh, providing your PC meets the specs, um, because, well... Because is it a free upgrade? It's free, if, yeah, it's free, as long as your PC matches the specs, apparently. Right. Um, but it's, the, the specs are quite restrictive, as we mentioned before. Um, yeah. But presumably it won't let you install it if you no, haven't got you, the right. Basically, if yeah. you yeah, there's a pre-check thing. A bit like Apple's, you know, if you try and install a, a later version of the OS than your Mac will support, it will say this is not supported on your device. Okay. Yes. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Um, oh, and talking of things being supported on devices, I noticed that today on the Rogue Amoeba um, status page that most of their products have now uh, reached initial compatibility with Monterey Beta, which is um, uh, quite, you know, quite soon. Because often, Mm. um, often Paul Kafarsis and the Rogue Amoeba crew don't announce that until, uh, no, a few days. Well, no, a few days before, um, and then it will go Uh, green usually either just before or on release day. So at the moment it's amber. They're they're all mostly marked as amber, which uh, they all say now has initial compatibility and no known problems. Um, Good. 
good, good, which good. Usually means it's absolutely fine. Um, I think that might rub Guy up the wrong way because he went to the virtual Max talk and took his laptop, which was running Monterey, and then realised he didn't have uh, all the Rogue Amoeba apps he wanted to do a show. That's right, and he couldn't possibly record without Rogue Amoeba. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. It would have been possible for him to if he'd just sort of just did a simple recording. But uh, that's not Guy, is it? That's not Guy. No, no, it's not. And I don't. I don't know when they reached. And he also seemed to be in the same room as everybody else as well, didn't he? So yeah, he did. yeah. You know, as the live Max Doc, so that would have been difficult. There we are. I suppose they probably could have found a room somewhere to go and record. But anyway, there we are. Um, and Captain Kirk. William Shatner himself, age 90. He's going boldly. He's going boldly. Where no man... Well, where a few people have gone before. <laughs> yeah, where few people have gone before. Uh, Bezos, Blue Origin will send William Shatner into space. Uh, one I've got to the BBC, but again, this was all over the internet. Uh, yeah. Good for him, to be honest. Good yeah, absolutely. If he's fit enough for it, good on him. Uh, age 90, the actor will become the oldest person to have flown into space. Um, I've heard about space for a long time now, and I'm taking the opportunity to see it for myself. What a miracle, said Shatner in a statement. Um, mm. There we are. Yeah, just don't just don't let him anywhere near the warp drive. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Somebody shout out, the engines can he take it, Captain. <laughs> uh, Star Trek star will not, however, be the first original cast member to leave the planet. Uh, no, because James uh, Doohan, who played Scotty, um, some of his ashes were smuggled on board the International Space Station. Oh, uh, yes, I heard that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether, you know, his ashes was, well, I don't know if it was all of them or some of them, but they were smuggled on board and hidden somewhere, apparently. There we are. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of uh, philosophical debates over whether it was actually him. <laughs> yes, as you say, uh, in that state. But in uh, that state, yeah. But, I, I think let's just say the first living member of the original uh, yes. Star Trek cast. <laughs> of course, they did. Um, they named one of the shuttles Enterprise, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They and did. Um, played the Star Trek music when they rolled it out. Um, yeah, which I believe uh, Shatner said made him rather emotional at the time. Anyway, I'm there, sure. we are. there we go. Uh, yeah, good on you. Uh, again, so I don't have a link to this, but apparently, um, Mr. Shatner is also releasing one of his famous albums, uh, which will you know contain poetry and readings and uh, spoken musical, uh, you know, entertainments. <laughs> And if you've ever heard any any of uh, William Shatner's kind of albums, you'll know why that's, um, well... Amusing. Amusing. (laughs) Or either you enjoy it or you don't. But uh, let's just say he's well known for the uh, unique style of his albums. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, One Password has launched an iCloud like hide my email feature. Um, So why not? Why not, indeed? Well, let's, as far as I'm concerned, the more people who, you know, provide these sort of services, the better. Um, it doesn't really matter which one you use, the more, the better. Yeah. Um, as long as people understand how to use them. I mean, the, the difficulty is the vast majority of people aren't going to care. <laughs> no, but, probably. Uh, probably not. Yeah. Um, but it's useful. It's useful, always useful to have options. Yep. Uh, 1Password is launching a new feature to let users create unique email aliases for logins. Uh, Partnering with Fastmail, which has the ability to mask emails, the password manager is giving users the option of hiding their email address from apps and services. 
So there you go. Um, for you know, for creating logins and so on in the same way as thirty three mail. In many and ways, it would. In many ways, it would be really good to teach new users that kind of information. Yes. Um, because it's it's them who are more than likely to sign up for things that means they end up getting spam forever and that yes. kind of thing. Yes. It's um. One of those kind of things that we, you know, we should be teaching people from the word from the get go. Uh, yeah, a lot of us yeah. are too. It's too, you know, it's a bit too late. We've got too many things already. Our email addresses invested, scattered yeah. to the, you know, to the four winds of the internet. Um, but then again, that's why a lot of us have half a dozen different email addresses. The only problem with that sometimes yeah. is remembering which ones you used for what. <laughs> True. Which is where your password manager becomes your friend, of course. Um, YubiKey, um, you know, the famous makers of uh, security keys, USB security keys, which you can use to verify your identity, um, have released a new YubiKey bio, which adds fingerprint recognition to older Macs and also probably any other suitable PC. Um, That's uh, cool. They have expanded their line of security keys with a biometric option. YubiKey Bio adds a fingerprint authentication to the hardware-based security device. Um, YubiKey make a, ha uh, a handy line of hardware security keys to protect online accounts uh, as a form of multi-factor authentication. Uh, YubiKey Bio, the company extends the com uh, concept into biometrics. Um, okay, this is the first YubiKey to support fingerprint recognition. Uh, there we go. And it's only $85, so it's not, not ridiculously expensive. It's actually not that expensive. Um, you can buy, uh, you can usually buy a FIDO compatible, um, you know, hard, USB hardware authentication key from about £20, give or take. Yeah. Um, YubiKeys are among the more expensive ones. Um, Usually, I think they start from about fifty pounds, but they're you know almost always. In some services, YubiKey is the only one that they'll um, accept. Some of the cheaper yep. ones, you know, don't won't work everywhere. Um, not because there's anything wrong with the key, but because they're they're not recognised. You know, the like Microsoft or whatever don't haven't certified them or whatever. Um, this is going to be available in a USB A and a USB C form. Um, the battery-less device does not require drivers or software to be installed um, and is said to integrate with the existing management features in current operating system. Um, which is very nice. Mm, uh, yeah. $80 for a USB-A version or $85 for a USB-C version. Um, as we said before the show, Nick, um, considering that YubiKeys, I think, normally start at about £50 or thereabouts, you're not paying a lot more to get... Um, a fingerprint reader. The fingerprint stuff, yeah. Um, excellent. Very good. Um, yeah, excellent. If you have, uh, a, you know, an older Mac or a PC and you would like to have fingerprint, you know, reading as well as uh, hardware authentication, that's probably a very good choice. Money well invested. Mm. And there we are. And um, what else have we got? Uh, a company that routes billions of text messages has quietly said it was hacked. Um, Whoops. Uh, Cineverse handles billions of tech messages a year and hackers had unauthorized access to its systems for years. A critical part so of, of the infrastructure used by AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon and others around the world, such as Vodafone and Ch China Mobile, 
disclosed that hackers were inside its system for years. Mm, there we are. Um, yeah, well, that's, not, that's, uh, that's on not Vice, good. and uh, it's not good. No, no hack, no hack is good. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> and I haven't got a link to this one, but also today I read that um, apparently another 1.5 billion Facebook users, um, you know, details have been exposed on uh, hacking websites on the oh, dear. dark web. So, ho hum, ho hum. Just be careful out there, people. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? Have we got anything else? I don't think we have. Uh, oh, I've got, we've got a worth a chirp, which I think came from Jim. I'm not sure. Uh, if it wasn't from Jim, sorry, whoever it was. First seed calendar, the best calendar and best widgets. This was on Mac Stories. Um, versus the highly customizable calendar app which works on every Apple platform, providing a seamless experience which anybody with a busy schedule will love. Um, I okay. believe it's free on the phone. Um, you have a quick lick. Quick look. Um, right, iPhone version is free. iPad version is seven dollars ninety nine, and the Mac store Mac version is twenty dollars. Um, but it's a uh, you know, if you're big on calendaring, might be worth a look. Yeah, particularly if it's got some of the features that you would like. Indeed, uh, includes calendar sets, shortcut integration, event templates, Apple Watch app, support for services such as Zoom, Teams, WebEx. Uh, point of support on the iPad, bulk event editing, multiple default, default event alarms, dark mode themes, custom date colours. Um, there we go. Um, okay, interesting. Not, uh, you know, calendaring is not something that uh, bothers me that much. I might do with the built-in calendar. Yeah, me too. But, yeah, uh, I think I have got... Um... I think I have got one. I have tried one or two others. Um, but, um, Fantastical is one, one that you Yes, yeah, I've tried Fantastical, yeah. Um, there are others. And, you know, that's because people who, you know, really make a lot of use of calendaring for either, you know, complex personal or business lives, it's an important app. Um, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not, not something that's um, a big problem to me. But there we are. Um, I think Jim sent that one in. Um, and if it wasn't Jim, yeah, I'm sorry, whoever did. But that's uh, that's our worth a chirp for the week. So uh, I think that's it. I think we've done all the stories for today. Jolly well, good. There we are. So, um, well, we'll wrap it up then. We'll wrap it up. Uh, Why so not? Tell people where you can be found, Nick. Uh, I can be found very occasionally on Twitter. Um, I'm Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Uh, you can hear me occasionally over on Bart's Let's Talk Couple. Uh, I'm in the Slack room. Uh, and if you want to uh, see what mess I make of things on Sunday mornings, <laughs> sometimes this weekend seemed to have been a, an interesting one where things didn't quite go according to plan. Um, then uh, you can see our church services uh, links in the show notes. John, good. Um, you can, of course, find me in the Slack. You can find me on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, if you would like to leave us a review, you know, go to uh, Apple Podcasts and go do that. We haven't had a, a review in forever. Um, if you want to join Alistair in sending us money, feel free. Uh, link on the website, which is essentialapple.com. Um, thank you for everybody who listens, of course. And uh, I think that's probably about it for this week. So I think I'll just say goodbye. Goodbye, all. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time.